What's up, everybody? Welcome to Sherdog.com. It's your man, Ant Walker. I'm here for The Trenches, the weekly live chat, and I'm joined once again by a fantastic man who needs no introduction, but we're just going to introduce him anyway. He is an interviewer extraordinaire, journalist extraordinaire, uh, an aficionado of all things nerd-related, and he's, quite frankly, uh, just, just a, a, a swell guy. Uh, he's my friend. He's your friend. He's Chachi's friend. He is Jason Burgos, a.k.a. Captain Credential. Jason, how are you feeling today, my brother? I'm feeling good. You know, I'm feeling about three pounds lighter right now, if you know what I mean. Uh, I'm, I'm feeling ready to go, ready to, to get into this action, ready to get into some MMA conversations. Got a lot of interesting good, uh, questions from the forum this week and just ready to dabble, as always, with my, my, my brother in MMA journalism and just nerd them. Absolutely, man. This is going to be a, a good episode. I think we've got a lot of a lot of interesting things to talk about and a lot of very serious topics uh, to address today as well. There's been a lot of very serious things going on uh, news related in combat sports. So um, actually, before we do start, <coughs> excuse me, um, I do want to address a designated member in the chat. Welcome, mm -hmm. as always. Happy to see you're, you're back again this week. Uh, but he asked, are there even questions this week? Um He's saying the of course, um, as some people might know, the Sherdog forums went dead for a couple of days over the week. So our our number of questions, I guess, has been stifled. But still, we got some good stuff coming mm -hmm. up. Um, and of course, if you're watching live now, go ahead, drop some questions in the live chat and we will do our best to address as, as many of them as possible. And uh, yeah, so uh, Sherdog forum went down due to some sort of like overall server thing. That shut down a lot of uh, the sites for the parent company. But from what I understand, Sherdog was one of the first ones that was like back online and, and ready to go. So, um, yeah, sorry for all you, you Sherdog form addicts out there, you savages. <laughs> uh, like Gegard Musasi, he's a big fan of it. Yeah, Gegard Musasi, man, I had a very interesting interview with him at the uh, the Bellator Media Day. So, about 12 people watched this. So, that's what's up. But that's another story. <laughs> all right. So, let's, let's go ahead and, and get into the topics that we have for the week so first of all we, we're going to start with a with a very very serious topic uh that that for sure deserves our time and, and um and attention uh, so let's get this question going from young cash money maxim dadashev uh 28 year old uh he died from brain damage suffered from a tko loss in a boxing match against uh sobral mateus and that was uh, Friday night that match took place. And I believe he died uh, Tuesday morning. Um, so the question asks, what can be changed to make boxing safer? Jason, please, what do you think? I'm not sure in this instance, because I, I saw Ben make some really good tweets and talking about how they, in, in this supposedly, I, I didn't see the fight. Uh, I just only heard about it after the fact that, you know, that they did all the right sort of things that they were supposed to do. So it wasn't like, you know, I remember a previous incident, um, maybe like three years ago here in New York, where uh, a fighter was kind of like misdiagnosed in terms of, you know, the, the symptoms they were having and uh, weren't initially sent right to the hospital. And then his team had to take him to the hospital. And then, you know, same kind of thing. He ended up being brain damaged. He ended up dying. Um, oh, I don't know. I don't know that he... Yeah, I think he died. He was in a coma for a long time, too. But I'm not sure. If they did everything they were supposed to, especially following the, the event I'm thinking about, um, I don't I don't know. Like, Buddy McGirt, you know, he stopped it. He threw in the towel. He stopped the fight early. It wasn't like a knockout or the ref, you know. So he did, you know, what he had to do on his end. It's, it's a tough one. It, it's just, unfortunately to say, I just feel like 
it's a, the sad nature of the sport. It doesn't happen often, but it does happen. And, and it's, it's, it's a dangerous, dangerous game to be in something like combat sports, especially boxing. I mean, boxing, it, it does, it takes, it does a lot to the brain. It does a lot of damage to the face and the head. So it, it's, it's a tough one. I'm sure they can come up with some things and but I, I'm, I'm personally really not sure. You know what? I, I'm not sure either. Not in this instance, because like you said, all the things uh, that we want to be done right, were done right in this case. Uh, I watched it, the fight last night. I watched it after the fact, of course. Um, and I didn't see anything really crazy wrong. Um, at least not until until after the fight. During the fight, I, what, I, what I saw was a guy who had a hell of a chin who was way too tough for his own good, and that describes what, like, 90% of the fighters that, that you can name off the top of your head. Uh, and he stood in there against a guy who was clearly the, the superior fighter, but he was just tough enough to hang around in there. And he was tough enough to where it, it gave doubts uh, for any clear moment to stop this fight. Um, there was no real, um, real point in the fight where the referee should have been in there. And breaking this up, there was and then when there was a clear point where the corner should stop it, they did. Buddy McGirt recognized that in that 11th round, he took a, a beating, but he took just enough of a beating to be beaten, but not so much of a beating that it was so one sided that he didn't return anything back because he landed some very good shots in that round as well. But he was clearly outclassed. Um, Buddy McGirt did everything he was supposed to do. And this still happened. I mean. Straight up and down, combat sports, uh, boxing, kickboxing, mixed martial arts are inherently dangerous and harmful. There is nothing healthy about jumping into a cage or jumping into a ring and hitting someone in the head. There's nothing healthy about being the person getting hit upside the head. There's nothing healthy about it at all. So these things aren't preventable sometimes other than the sports not existing. And I don't think that's a good option. Um, you know, and, and one thing for sure, of course, boxing has a longer history. The emphasis on head strikes is, is much more, uh, much more high up on the ladder. So of course this, it, it opens up the likelihood for this happening a lot more. Mm -hmm. And, um, there, there aren't that many documented cases of MMA fighters dying aside from like weight cutting related yeah. issues yeah. Uh, and, and existing conditions uh, from everything I understand. But I guarantee you this. It will happen one day in mixed martial arts. It will happen one day in the UFC. It will happen one day in Bellator. It will happen one day in one in PFL and all these other promotions that we look to as the major leagues. It will happen. Someone will die in there. And that is unavoidable. When we see um, uh, Gavin Tucker against uh, Rick Glenn at UFC 215 and Gavin Tucker is returning from that savage, savage loss that he took um, this weekend. But when we see a beating like that, that, that Gavin Tucker took, that can happen. The beating that CB Dalloway took in Russia with, I think Herb Dean was refing that one. It can happen. Um, even we, we're, um, you know, celebrating Frankie Edgar coming up this weekend. Man, those great Maynard fights yeah. would have ended some other lives. There is a, a, a serious uh, element of danger and risking one's life when you step into the ring or step into the cage. And I say all this to say, please respect the fighters. Mm. Please respect the fighters. Respect what they do. 
you know, I understand that, yes, certain fighters just aren't fun to watch. Yes, I know um, no one is 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 beating the door down to see uh, Jake Shields or John Fitch or anyone else that you want to uh, you want to um, uh, say is boring or, or just has a, a boring style or whatnot. But the alternative is getting their head knocked in. You know, I recognize that these these people are people. They have families. They have lives. Um, uh, Dadashev had, had a had a wife and a child that no longer have the the uh, father figure in the household because the man died. You know, is your entertainment worth that? So before you decide to boo, before you decide to uh, take to your favorite social media of choice and troll a fighter because they lost or troll a fighter because they didn't fight exciting enough for your little punk ass. <laughs> Remember that, that people can die doing this. And no, your entertainment is not worth their life. So if you don't like it, fuck you. <laughs> you know. Do you know what state it, 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 the fight happened in? This was in Maryland, actually. This was um, the MGM, the MGM Grand in the DC area. So, I mean, one one idea came to my head, or kind of a combination of idea. I mean, we've talked about this on the show before too, probably months ago, where we we threw, you know, debated the idea of because you know you have these all these states. I think we were maybe talking about like the rule set changes and how different states have different rules, what like that. And I, I might have thrown, I mean, you maybe throw around the idea of. Might be better off to have like a, a just a federal sanctioning body to just kind of you know co control them all, so at least there's some unification. Because like a good example is I believe it's New Jersey does brain scans, and I remember that's how Rashad Evans had to be removed from a fight because he did a brain scan and he didn't like what they see or whatever. With uh, Tiago Alves as well. Mm -hmm. And it would be good, you know, like I, like I like that they're proactive, and it would be good if that you know they just maybe in instituted a lot more proactive kind of measures you know, nationally, it shouldn't be certain states, like every state should be forced to do this. So we can avoid that. And, and it should be like they, every fighter should be having brain scans. Every fighter should be having some sort of maybe preemptive CTE testing that goes along with all of their kind of regular medicals before fight. Like, cause we're, we're still, still there's so much that's uncharted territory when it comes to brain damage and brain injury. But I mean, we, we have come a bit of a way to some understandings with the CTE and stuff like that. So there should be, you know, those kind of things put in place, you know, and if it costs a fight, you know, in the end it's to avoid, you know, somebody dying because I don't know, it's possible. I don't feel like, or think his damage was just from the fight. I'm sure it's probably from a life of accumulated damage over time, over time. I'm sure there was like a, a micro crack or a micro fracture in his skull or, you know, something or, or various things can happen that accumulation. Maybe it'll happen from the one fight. And that's, that's sad too. And that's the danger and that's unavoidable. But if there is a way that a lot of this stuff happens over time and you put in those measures that can maybe cut those things, you know, out, you know, for, you know, like early testing on cancer or whatever, what kind of things like similar theory, Maybe you can save a few lives next time. I mean, that's that's definitely, um, you know, a better idea than just letting it be the wild, wild west. Yeah. You know, and especially when we when we look at like amateur MMA in particular is mm -hmm. so yeah. unregulated and, yeah. and such a minefield for potential disasters mm -hmm. uh, that you do want to see something in place. Now, the problem with it becoming federal, I know we've talked about this to an extent when we talk about broader issues with athletic commissions. When you have federal oversight, and federal regulation, the process becomes so slow. Think about how long it took to get the, the definition of a grounded fighter changed. And that still isn't a standard across every state. Yeah. 
it, you know, so adding another layer of this a federal government layer, the federal government, one of the slowest, most inefficient, ridiculous things in the country, uh, they will just make things worse in, in, mm -hmm. in a lot of cases. But there is some need for some sort of unity. At least the athletic commissions recognize one another's rulings. At, at yeah. least that's something that you can't if everyone is doing their job, you can't get knocked out uh, in Louisiana on, on uh, April 15th and then April 22nd, you're fighting in Tennessee. That shouldn't happen. Yeah. You know, if everyone is doing their job, but that's if everyone is doing their job. Um, a designated member uh, throwing a, a, a nice bit of levity into this whole thing. He's saying, say his name and you know you want it. And he's referring to me going against people who have something to say about uh, quote unquote boring fighters. Uh, he says, you're thinking of Leon Edwards. I do think Leon Edwards deserves some respect. Um, so, yes, uh, uh, yes, Leon Edwards does deserve some respect. So, thank you. <laughs> um, uh, we got uh, uh, our resident Judas of Sherdog.com, Cole Shelton, is also oh, in hi, the Cole. Yes, with, with some good talk about UFC 240. So, Cole, please uh, table those questions for just a little I know, bit. Don't rush us, Cole. I mean, Cole, Cole pull, pump the brakes. So don't rush us. Cole. Cole just wants to show off his fight picks. That's all he wants it to really do. It really is. This is I not mean, about, geez. you know, keeping a conversation about mixed martial arts and boxing moving forward. This is all about praising our resident Judas. So, and Judas, we're saying your name. All and right. I think Judas he's like Joe. top five in, in the staff picks. So okay, he's just trying to show off at this. He's point. top five in betrayal. That's what he, he is. I think I put him at number one with a bullet. Oh, ooh. all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So um, we're going to move um, from a very, you know, dark topic uh, to something that in, in, a, in a way is kind of ironic that we're talking about this now uh, that this question is framed this way. This question is from Mask of Winters, which, wow, that's an uh, that's a interesting <laughs> name. I've never seen a second of Game of Thrones, but that sounds like some Game of Thrones shit right there. Mm -hmm. uh, he asked, where does UFC San Antonio rank among the all time worst cards? Jason, please that, tell me that takes a, uh, that would need a lot of research. And I, I suck in terms of like remembering, you know, a full card or like a UFC number from like four years ago. I just suck. at. It. I can remember moments and fights stuff like that. So that would take a lot of research that I just did not have the time for, or really the, the, the brain power to, to really dig into. But that said, it was, it was, it was rough, <laughs> you know, to, to have, I think uh, a Jay or maybe, but I think it might've been Jay that he was mentioning in, in, in Twitter on that night that it had like broken the record for nine straight decisions. And at least there were two straight finishes in a row, which made it interesting, which I think were the heavyweights, but, um, Oh, I mean, and it's not like the fight. That's why I wouldn't call it all time bad. Cause there weren't bad fights. Um, Oh, who was it? Uh, oh, I'm trying to remember. There was a fight that was uh, on the main card. There was a few fights that were decisions that were entertaining. They, they were good, solid fights. They were competitive. You know, they weren't boring. There wasn't holding against the cage and not really much action. So, uh, all time worse. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't. I probably wouldn't put it as like a top ten or anything like that. But uh, it was a long slog of a of a fight card to watch. It was not the the easiest to get through, and I took my uh, my birthday was last Saturday, so I decided I was going to goof off, and I didn't do my my uh, live chat after the show. I didn't um, I didn't like take notes as I was as I was watching or anything. I wasn't even watching that closely. I was having drinks, um, 
uh, propped up on my couch, uh, fresh <laughs> off the edible, and was just enjoying just not really <laughs> being serious about any of this at all. And in fact, we were texting through throughout most of the event, and I got I got bored and decided I was going to play the UFC three video game instead fights <laughs> uh, for a little bit until and I tuned back in for for uh, some of the main card, but. Um, it wasn't it. I mean, the, the worst card I can think of off the top of my head, and I can't remember the number of the event, but it was the one that that was in Indianapolis with uh, Frank Mayer versus Crow Cop mm. as, as the main event. That was that was a pretty bad one that, that I can remember. That was that was dreadful. It, you it, know what I think is shaping up really to be rough? What's up? Newark. Newark right now has Jim Miller versus Clay Guida as the co-main event. This is trouble. Yeah, see, and as as good of a fight as that could be, mm-hmm. as 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 much as I like those two names in the same sentence, if that's your co-main event, mm. and the main event, Colby, I, I respect him a lot. Very good fighter, but he's not what you would call an exciting fighter either. So he's in the main event. If he wins like Colby Covington can, that's not going to be a fireworks series. You know, that's a oof. That's a that's a tough main event. I mean, that's a, that 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 card may have issues, especially and and they removed Latifi and Ozemir from it, which was the fight I was looking forward to, and to take that off of the card. Oh man, that was it's not a strong card. That that, yeah. that fight could be. Mm. It, Saturday wasn't. I mean, Saturday was a good day for me to enjoy just goofing off. That I'll, I'll put it that way. I have a question for you. Yeah, do, what do you like more, edibles or one championship? kickboxing and four ounce gloves oh can i have edibles while i'm watching one championship kickboxing with mma gloves only on your birthday then i hope it's my birthday every day <laughs> kickboxing with little gloves makes me so happy it just it just makes me infinitely happy what a, what a marvelous time to be alive with kickbox with four ounce gloves beautiful beautiful day all right so uh this next question um yeah this name um i hope no one gets mad at me but the name is tits (laughs) (laughs) um tits ask (laughs) both leon edwards and raquel pennington are nicknamed rocky and both took home wins who do you think is more deserving of the rocky nickname well tits um it's a pleasure to have you, you know, join us in 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 the, the chat and form and add a question from your tits. Um, oh, it's Rock, it's Rock up Pennington all day long. No, and 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 Leon Edwards is the the better fighter in terms of skill and ability. But Rocky, if you're trying to symbolize Rocky, Rocky was a brawler type that can, you know, d- d- grind through, take, you know, durable, take shots, throw bombs back. You know, that that's not really Leon Edwards style at all. Ra- Raquel Pennington is is that's her calling card in terms of she's not like specifically great at any kind of she's not a, a, a nasty wrestler, jujitsu practitioner, crazy Muay Thai, insane power. She's just super durable, super tough, solid everywhere, and just grinds through fights and just wears people out. And that's what Rocky did. Leon Edwards is just a very good fighter that just as we saw last last week in the main event is just su- superior than talented fighters. He's closer to Apollo than he's closer to Rocky for me. You know what? I was actually thinking he that like Leon Edwards is Rocky after he trained with Apollo. Yes. Yeah. That, that, I think that's the real more, Rocky. Anyway. R- right. Right. It's not it's not vintage like Rocky just getting the title shot. That's Raquel Pennington mm-hmm. uh, to just be the grinder to go in there and and take loads of damage, give loads of it back and make it a war of attrition every time uh, she steps in there. Leon Edwards is just he's just got too much finesse with it. Yeah. He, I, he's he's too skillful. I think to to be grouped into the Rocky Balboa category, unless you're talking about uh, 
Apollo Creed teaching Rocky. Mm. And then we got something. But in that case, he's probably more so Apollo, like you said. Mm. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think that's a interesting question. Um, and to have two people named Rocky on the on the uh, the same card. Um, so one point that was brought up by by Jay, the, the resident uh, statistician of Sherdog.com, and now actually going to be doing the uh, the play by plays on the on this site for live coverage. Oh, nice. Yeah, he actually said that. Um, Gonna Fly Now, the Rocky theme, has been used more than any other song as walkout music in the UFC. No surprise there. Yeah, no shock there. Cliche as all hell. <laughs> but, but also that neither Raquel Pennington nor Leon Edwards used it. Hmm. So I like it. I like not using Gonna yeah. Fly Now as a walkout song because, yes, it is one of the greatest songs ever created, but I'm tired of it at this point. It yeah. leads at a UFC wow. event. I, so, I would guess Eye of the Tiger is probably the top five right there, too. Uh, uh, yeah, I think you said that's number four. Yeah, yeah I'm tired of that one, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was campaigning for uh, No Easy Way Out. The, mm. the, the Mafia song, um, uh, It's a Fight. That's you, know what, you know what the one I love? And I heard I actually heard maybe like a, last month two back-to-back -back events use it. And it's pretty much my favorite fight song over Rocky just because this is just my shit as a kid. Kumite from Bloodsport, the Kumite theme. Yeah, I, I do remember you getting real pumped on Twitter about oh, that. I love that. Love that theme. I play it at work all the time. <laughs> you you played it at work? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, yeah, that's interesting. Okay. <laughs> all right, so we got a we got a question from uh, Brackus One. I think is how you pronounce that name, mm -hmm. and and um, this probably this is gonna sound like a crazy thing. And I don't want to address the conspiracy part of it, but I think I think it, it it encompasses some important issues that we probably should be talking about. He asked, does the Arlovsky slur come as a way to pivot Hardy away from looking bad in a matchup? So let's give a little little context to this. Andre Arlovsky, after uh, defeating Ben Rothwell, gave a post fight scrum backstage at uh, UFC San Antonio in which he used the F word in uh, relation to. Uh, homosexual slurs. Um, and he, and of course, the defense is, well, he didn't mean it in that way, but he used a, a he used a, a slur. He apologized for it almost immediately. So there's that. So let's not, let's not rake him over the coals and we'll just leave that alone. Um, but also the idea that this is pivoting away from Greg Hardy and actually what looked like a pretty damn good performance from a pure MMA perspective, in, in my opinion, um, I, I don't buy the conspiracy theory on that. I don't buy the relation, but I think it is important that we mention something about both of these topics. Jason, please jump in there, my man. I mean, yeah, I, I think you nailed it in terms of the Arlovsky stuff. I mean, to not break him over the coal. I mean, it was a stupid thing to say, but, I, I, you know, he comes from a generation that, you know, and generations his age and further back, you know, and even our generation, it was, it, it was a common term and, you know, in derogatory talk it's not acceptable and it, it should have been acceptable then but I, you, when you're getting into a fight more and i think they said he was emotional at the time i think he might have been crying a little bit too so you're emotional you you just got out of a fight you're a little beat up you know th stupid things slip so I, I, yeah i wouldn't get too mad about it um yeah i'm not gonna buy into the the any conspiracy theory about that but i did pick greg hardy i i i can't say i was thrilled he made me look right <laughs> but um yeah solid performance um 
and, and you know what? It just and also the interesting thing was Juan Adams, how he left the uh, the 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 cage afterward. I get his 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 feeling upset and bothered and everything like that. Though I didn't see much of an issue with the stoppage. You can't just hold the guy's leg and stay there. But um, it's kind of what I talked about last week. Why I thought he might have lost putting the pressure on himself, and clearly that pressure of of eating a nice side of coal or crow, you know, made him blow up as he left that cage. But uh. Yeah, so I, I do think I do want to leave this topic alone with with this. First off, um, Greg Hardy actually looked like a, a true MMA fighter. Mm-hmm. And whether you hate him, whether you you love him, whether you're you're tired of hearing his name and all the controversy surrounding it. Greg Hardy looks like he's going to be here to stay. Of course, he has some tough tests uh, ahead of him if he is to continue an upward trajectory. But at the very least. Being an elite level athlete does get you get you somewhere in the UFC. So um, should be interesting to see what they do next with him, who they pair him up with. I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of feed him a name that is uh, toward the end of the rope uh, that might carry still carry a little bit of cachet to it. I'm thinking if you can convince Alexi Olenek to fight again, I, I think they might feed uh, him to Greg Hardy. You think he gets a ranked guy? Um, I think I, I think so because they clearly they clearly have it for Greg Hardy. They clearly want this guy around. They clearly want to feature him as much as possible. He's gotten uh what two co-main event spots or three co-main event spots. I agree with you. I almost feel like though because they do really have such a you know a hard on so to speak for him that they, they would they might protect him anymore. They'll big up him and like oh he's got all these wins in a row whatever. But I feel like they still would protect him and not give him a rank guy yet. I mean that that is that's possible. The thing is, like, you just don't have that many other directions you can go. Mm. You know, when you beat a guy like Juan Adams, and while he wasn't exactly knocking on uh, on on Daniel Cormier's door or anything, he's a guy who is a legit fighter. He's beaten some, you know, actual decent fighters, and he's a guy who has some skill about him. So, I don't. They're they're not a whole lot of guys in that mid range that you can find. I mean. I did. I want to say it was um, it might have been Ben Duffy on off the chain the other day who said um, suggested like maybe Maurice Green or something like that. You can start going in directions like that, but it's not that far of a it's not that much gap. It really isn't just in terms of the bodies that are there. Like, keep in mind, like they were they were just digging up uh, the corpse of Smolyakov to go in there and just, and just <laughs> fall down in the, in the, in the cage not that long ago. So I, uh, and it, and it may not be, he, he may not be that good. I, I guess it's still possible. He's just not that good, but he's enough of an athlete to where he looks pretty damn good. Mm. And you, you know, yeah, he, he'll run into, um he'll run into like a, you know, an ovarium or something like that and probably get creamed at some point. But for right now, he's, they're probably going to feed him some guys that, that he can beat that might have a little name to him. So, yeah. um, all right. Um, and also too the whole Orlovsky thing, I am, I am always, always amazed at the, the abundance of people who are ready to jump on. This is, and I don't know if this is just in our sport. Uh, perhaps this is a thing in other sports, but I'm so entrenched in the MMA world that I, you know, I don't really know what else is going on out there. Mm-hmm. But it is amazing to me that a man says a, a homophobic slur, like something that is clearly hate speech, clearly it offends a large group of people, and there's no need to say it, and it's okay to just let it go. Uh, but they always want to cling. Oh, well, I grew up saying it. 
Well, maybe you grew up a dumbass. <laughs> you ever think about that? Maybe when you grew up, you were a moron. Yeah. You yeah. know, I will say, I will say this. I grew up saying it. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I was a moron. I was stupid. <laughs> I was ignorant. And you know what I did? I grew the fuck up. Exactly. I matured and I changed. And I started giving a shit about what other people thought as far as their feelings and, and their right to just live. Mm-hmm. And, and walk around and not hear hateful words thrown toward them just because it's Tuesday and you just felt like it. So for all of you out there who are so quick to jump in comments and so quick to tweet all these all these foolish things that you would never say to a lot of these people's faces, um, <laughs> grow the fuck up. Don't be a child. Mm. Don't don't be a child. It's no need to use hate speech. There's zero need for it. And if you say it to the wrong one, you probably will get your ass kicked. So just remember that. Mm-hmm. And I will be there to record and laugh <laughs> on your dumb ass. So, <laughs> all right. So um, we're, we're going to I just want to very quickly address this one question from Anderson Silva, middleweight champion mm. uh, who decided to drop this nugget on us. Or perhaps it was some imposter. Who has named himself Anderson Silva on the floor? <laughs> we will never know the mysteries of life. But it would be great if it is really a guy named Anderson Silva. He's just an MMA fan. He's yeah. like from Chicago. Shannon's He's like the John Jones, the graphic yeah. designer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That keeps getting tweeted all the time. <laughs> um, yeah. So he asks, uh, would you consider Ronaldo versus Hernandez the biggest steal in UFC history? I can't think of a bigger robbery. To that, I say you have not watched that much MMA. Sir. I know. Come on, man. I would think the former middleweight champion of the world has seen more MMA. Uh, to he know must, that, that wasn't the biggest robbery in the world. He must be Trinaldo's cousin or something like that. Second remove, some shit like that. He must have a, a, a you know a, a stake in this bullshit because there's no way that's like an old time robbery. Fuck out of here. Stop. It, yeah, I mean, really, like it was a close fight. Yeah. I, I, therefore, not a robbery. I yeah. thought Trinaldo won, but I, I I'm not I'm not exactly kicking over the table about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, no. like come on now. Just watch Diego Sanchez versus Ross Pearson if you want to see robbery in its truest mm. form. Watch uh, Leonard Garcia versus Nam Fam if you want to see robbery in its truest form. There are some egregious robberies out there. Yeah. That was not one of them. All right, so. Uh, this next question is from Yojimbo, who frequently gives us very good questions. So shout out to you, Yojimbo. And he drops a, another nugget on us um, and, and talking about some news that definitely made our hearts uh, smile. <laughs> In fact, this news almost broke during last week's show. Yeah. Uh, Donald Cerrone threw a little teaser uh, tweet out there or um, or Instagram post something uh, about it. And the news officially broke after we wrapped up. But here we go. Uh, Yo Jimbo asks, last week I lamented the MMA gods for cursing us with Tito Ortiz versus Alberto Del Rio, but now it seems their apology has come in the form of Donald Cerrone versus Justin Gaethje. What are you looking forward to the most about this fight? Jason, what say you? Well, first I'm going to say, is Tito Ortiz, Alberto Del Rio that bad? Is it really worth lamenting and cursing MMA gods? I mean, I wouldn't curse the MMA gods. They give us some terrible thing, and if you're cursing the MMA gods over that, Donald Cerrone may get injured, and, and he's not going to make the fight. So I would not get too crazy about that fight just yet. Uh, in terms of Cerrone and Gaethje, um, just uh, what is there not to like about it? You know, like every element of it is is so fascinating and and how everything plays out, the technical Muay Thai of Cerrone, Cerrone versus Gaethje is just meat and potatoes kind of just – 
everything in it striking of his, and with his hands or his kicks and 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 can he go forward and Cerrone has shown he doesn't like people that come forward and there's just so many elements that are fascinating about it I mean there's just nothing not to like about that fight so there's nothing specifically I'm looking forward to I'm just looking forward to the goddamn fight I I don't think I can say it any better than that that yeah Probably I, I just want to see two guys who are all about the action who are technical wizards i just and and are have no problem throwing that technique out the window and just getting mm -hmm. down yep i i am very much looking forward to that fight so yes please thank you may i have another is all i have to say about that one all right so uh let's go ahead and um let me jump into the chat just a second because i see some comments piling up and i do want to address those before we have too much of a backlog and i forget what the hell i'm going uh, through and let's see here. Um, so we do have people acknowledging that yes, heavyweight is not good at all. Therefore, there probably isn't much more distance uh, that Greg Hardy has to travel yeah. before he runs into the true killers of the division. Um, a designated member saying the best guy that won Adams has beat is Chris De La Roca. True, uh, yet still much more of a legit MMA fighter than Smolikov. Uh, <laughs> That. You hate Smolnikov. I don't. I don't hate the man. I, <laughs> as far, like, I just. I, I just don't understand how he was. Like he was brought there to lose. I mean, Dana White said it himself after the fight that he booked. That where did they find this guy? Well, they found him wherever you looked for someone that Greg Hardy can beat. Like if Smolnikov, you saw him somewhere in the MMA cage somewhere. You just press. No, I wouldn't. I mean, like, hey, get your money, fam. Do what you do. But <laughs> I, you know, I just don't think he's a high level fighter. And when you fall over like that um, and you don't do anything, yeah, I think it's safe to say you're you're probably not the highest level fighter. When when his when like his win that got him back in the UFC was a submission over a guy who was like sub five hundred, and then he got the chance to be Greg Hardy's punching bag. No, I don't think you're that good. You know, that's it. But all right, so um. Uh, we got saying, uh, style. Oh, come on, style double X. Come on now, saying, why are Westerners so sensitive about quote unquote homophobic slurs? Because we give a damn about people just having the right to live and just having the right to just just enjoy their life without being harassed. Like, this is the first time I've ever been referred to as a Westerner. I kind of, I know, right? So, I, I don't know where, where you're from, style double <laughs> X. I don't, I don't know where you're from, but. <laughs> That it just don't fly. Like it's just not cool. It's, it's yeah. unnecessary. It, it's it's. Yeah. There are other ways to insult people. There are yeah. other things you can say that insult this individual and don't encompass an entire group of people that have jack shit to whatever your gripe is. Yeah. Um, and there's so many ways he could have said that instead of using that word. Like just it's an asshole, dickhead, schmuck, you know, fart knocker, whatever. Yeah. And then Ellen says, "I doubt there are any gay MMA fans." Come on now. Come on, Come there's on gay now. fighters. They're gay what fighters, like they're gay journalists. Like there's, yes. I, I so, so and, and not and not to put not to put the homie on the spot here, but, but um, <laughs> but to put him on the spot, my man, yeah. But but <laughs> my man Dave Doyle, Dave Doyle, who's now an MMA junkie, used to be at uh, Yahoo and MMA fighting. Good friend of mine, great guy. He is a gay man. He didn't become a, a, a an MMA journalist because he liked basketball. <laughs> he became an MMA journalist because he likes MMA. There are plenty of Dave Doyles in the world that are, enjoy the sport and are knowledgeable and deserve to be able to go to an event and watch their favorite fighters without being concerned about slurs that that personally insult them. 
this is not a, a complicated subject. This is not something that requires an expert level of intelligence. This is just requires basic humanity. And unfortunately, it seems to be a lot of basic humanity lacking. Yeah. You know, um, let's see. Uh, designated member. Uh, Thomas saying people got over Cody Garbrandt using the N word in the breath of a second. No controversy here. I, I do. And I unfortunately became somewhat a part of that story, <laughs> you know, when, when, when that happened, but um, that isn't, but still like that was wrong. It's just, it was just yeah. after, but afterward though, although he was, he gave me a, a, a snarky ass answer and, and, and stonewall me on, on a, on a true response. He did talk to John Morgan later on and, and actually give what I thought was a, a, a decent, apology of, of sorts or explanation uh, to where I'm satisfied putting that to bed. I'm satisfied. Not that's not even a part of the conversation for me anymore. Uh, yeah. So there, there are, there, there should be, there should be people going to uh, events and enjoying their fighters without worrying about whether or not some sort of uh, hate speech is going to be targeted toward them. And then plus also, please, if you live in a glass house, you better not be throwing stones because there's a slur for everything. And I'm sure this person has there's a slur they're not a fan of. So just think of it that way. If they said that to you, you probably wouldn't be a fan. Simple as that. Yeah, man. Yeah. And and, and once again, I will add this on to, to the story. Do not say words if you think uh, unless you think you could beat up everybody that that word applies to. Because I guarantee you, you may drop that F word and it might be one of them F words and knock you upside your motherfucking head. Mm -hmm. I have seen that happen. And <laughs> you might think twice about that player. Mm -hmm. So go ahead and shut your mouth. Run up on Dave Doyle like that. That's a big dude, man. He'll knock your head off. <laughs> Run up on him like that. See what happened to you. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. All right. So let's get off of that. Um now we're gonna go back to just good old fashioned fight talk and oh my oh, goodness here we, go. here we go oh my goodness uh Jason can you do me a favor man can can you call your homie call your homie Chatri all right hold on yeah call 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 your homie Chatri tell him come down here to this front row come get this work now now should, should I tell him bring a gas mask because he's gonna get smoky oh everybody oh all the smoke. Smoke inhalation <laughs> up in this piece, man. So, so Jason, what I need you to do, I need you to pull up a chair so you and Chachi can sit beside each other and oh, catch this work. Are you ready to catch this work? Let's catch this work. I'm right, really so ready go. to catch it. I mean, it will have to be caught. I don't really can't do anything about it. So, first of all, let's let's go ahead and and shout out uh, Jay who who put the, all the questions together uh, today for me. But he also left a little nugget here for you in this one. He says on the previous episode we discussed. One FC and his threats to Will Chope uh, about his comments on their drug testing policies. Since then, WADA has chimed in saying that One FC is not associated with or is a signatory of WADA while reminding everyone they are not a testing agency. Jason, please uh, give me your thoughts. And before actually, before you give me your thoughts, let's let's give a big shout out to Michael uh, Fidel of Body Lock MMA for doing some excellent reporting about this. The story broke this morning. Um, and he's he's done a lot of research into this, talked to all the right people and got some good quotes. Um, so big shout out to him. He's doing some very good things. I suggest you all follow him on Twitter, follow his work as well. Jason, please give me your thoughts. I, I 
I, I'd, I'd rather you go first. I really don't have much to say or much to defend. There's really nothing to defend on it. I'd rather see what you have to say and then uh, maybe see if I have a counterpunch. I don't probably, I probably will not. Well, I mean, mean, it's it's okay. Like it, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. You can sit beside me and watch Chachi get this work if you want. <laughs> you're my friend. Go ahead, sit beside. I'll me. sit in the middle. I'll do the Max Kellerman, and you know, like the two five. I'll, I'll sit in the middle. By the time I'm done giving him this work, <laughs> you will have slid out of frame <laughs> into the darkness. Oh, All right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I I'm not really trying to trying to uh, rip the you know one championship to shreds uh, today so much. If I do, whatever. Uh, but here here's really the problem here. Once again, this is an issue of transparency. This is an issue of smoke and mirrors. This is an issue about the so-called honor and integrity and respect that they seem to be so near and dear to, and they want to uphold and 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 be the the moral arbitrators of what is martial arts and what isn't. Um. Come on now. Like, if you are making statements, like, first of all, you're threatening this man's livelihood with a lawsuit. You're trying to you're, you're trying to threaten this guy with uh, with legal action because he spoke something. And now <laughs> the legal action that you're threatening seems to have no ground because he was telling the damn truth. <laughs> According to Wada, <laughs> he was telling the truth. So what are you, you going to sue him for for telling the truth? <laughs> is that is that what is that what we doing now? Because I, I I should expect my summons in the mail. <laughs> uh, Mike, Michael Fidel should expect his summons in the mail. <laughs> you know, there's some people out there that have been saying this for quite some time. Um, you need to be transparent and you need to be honest about something. Like, how are we supposed to trust you when this is what you do with the level of trust that you seem to expect? It was a lie. This whole water thing was a lie. And here's the thing about it. They could maybe they are actually drug testing. Maybe they are using water accredited labs because, of course, uh, without getting too deep into the verbiage, that is something that still goes on. You cannot be a, wa a, a water signatory or representative or or, or whatever the, the term may be. But you could still use a laboratory that water uses for its testing. Fine. The sample of piss goes to the same building. Cool. You can say that, hey, we use the same labs that water uses. Fine. But to then say that you have this association with them that has been going on for the past year, but, oh, you're going to make this a big official statement. And then they come out and say, man, we ain't talked to them fools. How does that make you look? And, and it's not any one thing if it's if it's just this. Because uh, let's not forget that despite the fact that USADA is uh, technically a third party, they do accept a big check from the UFC every year. And we've had serious questions about how they do their jobs. Uh, we we were just talking about um, not that long ago, John Jones, uh, his his so-called pulsing issue, moving UFC 232 from Vegas to, to uh, Los Angeles on less than a week's notice because they were trying to duck some regulation. So the UFC is not innocent in, in this case. But there is this third party level. There is a certain degree of transparency. Jeff Nowitzki did come out and address the media about this and answer some very specific, very tough questions. And even if he didn't know all the answers or at least pretended to not know all the answers, he did make himself available to answer some of these questions. There was a level of transparency and accountability. But then when one championship does something like this, but at the same time, they very clearly lie about their ratings. 
and their views. They very uh, clearly have some sort of financial issues, according to uh, many of the independent reports done about what their books might look like. Um, there has been zero, zero third party documentation, no pictures, uh, no, um, no statements uh, aside from fighters there or part of the promotion and whatnot about their so-called weigh-in system. So when you add this entire picture up, it just doesn't look very good. It looks like a circus. It looks like a sham. It looks like a scam and a ripoff. So as I've said many, many times, all fight promoters are shady in some way, shape or form. All fight promoters are not to be trusted in some way, shape or form. And all of them lie in some way, shape or form. And we know this. It is a part of the business. But you can't lie about everything and expect to be taken seriously. You can't lie about every single solitary aspect of your business and how you uh, officiate these fights and how you just run a, a fight promotion and expect people to trust you and take you at your word. You know, had there been some acknowledgement in their statement that there wasn't an official relationship with, with uh, WADA, I, I'm, not, I'm not too mad about that. I'd say, hey, we, we use their same laboratories um, we follow some of the same procedures. Their procedures are online. You can go on their website and you can find the substances they test for. You can find certain uh, procedures and policies. It's, it's open record. Nothing to hide there. You could download that PDF and you can run your whole drug testing operation off of it. And that's fine. But say that. Just say that. Don't say I, what is involved and they're not. Because believe it or not, all you good folks at one championship, believe it or not, you can have these statements be verified to be true or false. We don't just uh, shake our heads and say, yes, you said it. So therefore it is. No, that's not how this works, at least not here. So um, if excuse me, their plans are uh, what they say they are and they want to make a United States debut, man, they got to switch some things up. They have to switch some things up. And for the record, once again, I want one championship to ship to succeed. I want this promotion to succeed. I love kickboxing with little gloves. I want it to go on. I want to see Muay Thai with four ounce gloves forever. I think they have a good stable of fighters. I think they put on an exciting product. I think everything aside from uh, Mitch Chilson on commentary, <laughs> I like about the presentation of the product. But let's let's just go ahead and be transparent. Let's try. Let's try. Okay. Please. Is that too much to ask? It's a good product. Don't don't screw it up by making statements that don't need to be made and making threats that have zero basis. Jason, please speak, my brother. <laughs> I mean, they're in a tough spot. I mean, there's nothing that you're saying is wrong. I mean, it, it, it they're, they're putting themselves into a, a corner a little bit and, and, and shooting themselves in the foot. It's going to hurt themselves and, and, and it's going to hurt themselves in this market. Um, I don't know if it's going to hurt them out there in Asia and stuff like that. You know, in these, some of these countries that are used to state run media and get a certain statement and, and have, you know, sometimes believing it and that, you know, they can control things. So I, I don't know how much it's going to hurt them over there, but yeah, I mean, this is still the money market as Alberto Del Rio once told me in America, you know, English and things like that are the language of money. 
and you know if you watch a one broadcast it's all in english you know it's weird how it's, it's all in asian it's very english geared and stuff like that but um yeah it, it's the transparency needs to come through i mean I, i'll still give them the rest of the year because they said they were going to institute it in 2019 they didn't say oh we're going to do it in you know may of 2019 but when 2019 closes they need to if they don't have i mean they're just going to look they're going to look so bad and it's going to make them look foolish and we can't forget, and I said they're they're really building their own their drug plan from the ground up. You know, there are no sanctioning bodies out there in many of these countries. There are no athletic commissions that are watching them, that are paying for these things or 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 being the watchdog. They have to do it themselves and they have to go, you know, figure out how to do these third party things and build these things. And it's not cheap. You know, they still are uh, from the things I've seen, I they they're doing good money wise, but they're still not the UFC yet, as far as I know. So, you know, it's it, it's it's hard to afford it, but they're just doing them. They're being their worst enemy at this point. That said, um, the one thing I can add, and this is just from, from people I'm talking to, one of them being Martin Wynn, featherweight champion. He's going to be headlining the Dawn of Heroes event uh, next Friday. I asked him some of these questions. I asked him about um, I asked him about the the the, the weight cutting and the, and the drug testing and the weight cutting. With the drug testing, he said he was tested in his last fight, and I think he I think he specifically talked about his last fight, maybe previous fights. By WADA, he thought it was WADA. He said WADA officials. Maybe he was he was told wrong. Maybe it wasn't WADA officials. Clearly, it seems like it's not WADA officials, which makes it questionable. But he says he was drug tested three times leading up to his fight. And he was tested, I believe, and, and I, I, you have to watch the video. I have to go back and look at it. I think he said he was tested. He did a, the, urine the urine test day of his fight. You know, so he was tested multiple times. He also told me about people who doubt the, the testing. He said that he's in... The fighters, the, the opponents themselves, they are in the room with each other with their teams when they go through their drug tests. Like they can see the peeing themselves. They see the whole process done. That's what he was trying to make a point. He doesn't care about the whole process as long as he knows his opponent is, is, is clean. And that's his own personal thing. Every, we all know we want the whole thing. But the thing I that scares me is just that it seems on the level, at least what for the fighters, for what they're seeing, that it's on the level that's you, you, legitimate. What happens with the samples after the fact? And Michael Fidel's article brings that up, and 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 Choke brings it up too. That that's the question: Are, are they doing it, and it's all a front, and it, it's to put on a good face? And then when the, the, the everyone's left, the samples get tossed like that. That's the thing, and 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 they're 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 putting themselves in a really bad position to look shady as all hell. And and I, I I'm with you a thousand percent. I want them to succeed. I hope they do well. I want to see another major promotion, but these are all the all the wrong things we get it. it's tough you're trying to build your drug system and, and and everything from the ground up but man this is this is not the way to do it and they could easily just say fuck it we're in asia it's not regulated we do whatever we want but i appreciate that they're trying to be on the level because they want to come to europe they want to come to the u.s but um and also while i'm on the subject of martin win i also throw out there too because you had issues with the the one management agency that they're they're, they're starting oh yes i do he's in it he actually is a client of this agency. His opinion, and again, just one man's opinion, he feels it's not fighting related. He feels it's just to get fighters work outside of it. They have helped, and along with his own management agency, to get him commercials and get him things outside of it. I asked him if he'd be interested in One Studios. <laughs> He's a good-looking guy. He could be a movie star. He wasn't. He's not interested in One Studios. But he felt that this is just to help fighters make more money on the side away from fighting. Again, one man's opinion, but 
that's what he's encountered in his own experience dealing with this particular agency. I, I definitely appreciate that perspective. I mean, for someone who's in it and has decided this is what the course of action he wants to follow, all power to him, and I hope he succeeds, and he's he's a damn good fighter. Um, so I do, and I'm looking forward to I don't did, did the full interview drop yet? No, no, the I, 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 I'm probably going to just submit it to them this week, so I'm sure they'll save it for next week. Okay, yeah. So I'm looking forward to watching that entire interview, and I, I'm I'm sure it'll be. I'm I'm sure you you do a great job as always in it. Um, but but I will say this though, man. Um, I did mention this when we were talking about the agency thing. I I mentioned that this was the beginning of an, the MMA version of the 360 deal that they have in, in in music, and that's exactly what that sounds like. It's like okay, these fighters are making money outside of fighting. But they got on because of fighting. So how can we get a cut of everything? And, and that's essentially what what this is. Uh, at least for him, for his aspirations outside of of the cage. You know, if if you decide to sign one of those, knock yourself up, man. I, I'm more power to you. But I just think everybody um, should should have a better understanding of their worth than that. Mm. Um, you know, outside of the cage. But no, another story. Um, but let's also remember too that the media was responsible for bringing down pride pride's uh you know shady connections to the yakuza and all of that stuff got reported on it was rumored about and everything and and whispered about for a long time but when it broke to the media and they started reporting on it, and they started digging into it and investigating this that is what actually brought that organization down uh, so the power of media is is very important the power of truth is even more important. Be truthful. At least try. At least try. Now, and then, and I think also, once again, we're seeing where one championship went wrong with their Will Trope threat. You know, it's not just you have egg on your face now. Like, they look stupid right now. They look really stupid mm -hmm. in, this, in this whole fiasco. But it's not just that. Now it calls into question everything about their statement. And it makes Will Chope look right about everything. One very damning allegation that he made in that was that the doctor that was testing or, or, or like worked for the lab or something like that, that he was somebody that was paid by one and he was he was like one of their longtime doctors or something like that. Man, it sure does give a lot of credibility uh, to, to those statements now, doesn't it? If everything else he said in there was true. If Chachri had just given the statement that he had given in response and left it at that, we would not be talking about this anymore. Yeah, right now, right now, it'll be me demoting you about one championship as always, which, by the way, petty officer credential. I uh, just want everyone to be introduced to your new title. But still, that's all we'd be doing right now. It will be a joke. It will be fun for us to talk about this. But now you've just opened the door for more speculation. You've opened the door for us to question things and wonder what the hell are you telling the truth about? Because right now it doesn't look like much. Yeah. You know, and, and that's and that's once again, it is a shame because they they put on a fantastic mixed martial arts slash kickboxing product. They put on exciting fights and they have great fighters under their roster right now. And uh, it's 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 more opportunity for fighters if this promotion succeeds. It's more opportunity for fans to watch it. It's more opportunity for gentlemen like us to cover the sport. It, it opens up so many doors that are so good if one championship succeeds. But you've got to do it the right way. Lying about everything, threatening people when they're telling the truth 
it's not the right way to go about things. Mm -hmm. So I hope they get their shit together. I sincerely do. Because I want to see kickboxing with little gloves. All right. And I want to keep talking to Chatri. I want to keep that. And Chatri might be a nice guy. He might. Chatri <laughs> probably hates me. <laughs> but he's going to still get this work, though, if he's a girl. <laughs> oh, he's going to get this work. <laughs> All right. Okay. So um, now we're going to. We got uh, UFC 240 talk coming up in just a second. But we got. I is think, Cole rushing us again? No, no, Cole's not rushing us. Cole is not rushing us. I see someone else in the chat, Anonymous Truth, saying Khabib or Poirier. But no, that's not 240. That's 242. Uh, we'll talk about Khabib and Poirier later on, man. Um, actually, but right now, I think Khabib wins that. Um, you feel differently, Jason? Are you picking Khabib off the top of your head right now? I'm, oof, I mean, gut instinct, yeah, but I, I really do feel like it's a close fight. I, 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 I think there's an... You know, to be on a roll, your confidence sky high, to really feel in that moment. I, I think that's a that's a key factor that's always got to play. And Dustin Poirier is on an absolute tear right now. That's got to factor in. Um, it, you know, I, I really feel like it's a pick'em. I think he, if he could, you know, be able to shut down that that his that that the resting a little bit, or at least weather the storm early and work his striking. Whew, man, he could be a whole lot of trouble for 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 uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov when it comes to striking. I mean. Uh, I I Quinta's good, but he's not Dustin Poirier. So I mean, I, I think it's actually a closer closer fight than some people might think. I, I'm kind of leaning that way too. I think Khabib gets it done, but I don't think it's going to be the easiest day at the yeah, office. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, and I'm I'm very curious as to whether or not my opinion changes as the fight gets closer. Mm -hmm. the, the more time I have to kind of tape study, the more time I have to think about it and and see what it plays out. But and then one thing I might do just just for the hell of it, I might just run that game on, on UFC three uh, and just watch, see what happens. I don't think they've updated Poirier enough, though. That's why I don't they think probably haven't updated him enough. Nah, mm -mm. Yeah, you know Henry Cejudo isn't on bantamweight on that game. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. He's not. He's not a bantamweight in that game. Like they have him at flyweight, of course, wow. but no bantamweight. Yeah, I don't know how. On that bantamweight a couple times in the UFC before. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. It doesn't make sense on that one, but what do I know? Oh well. All right. So, uh, <laughs> all right. So we got a question from Bravo Choke, uh, who's asking, uh, "How do you think Wyman will fare at light heavyweight? Can 185 pound grapplers survive at 205?" Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, th that doesn't mean that that Wyman's going to be a dominant force there, but I think there is a lack of good grappling at that light heavyweight division. So when you have technique, I mean, because if you have good technique, not and 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 you know Wyman does use a, a healthy bit of brute force when it's stuff, but if you have a good technique, we've seen you know kind of damn Daniel Cormier, you can toss somebody that's like sixty pounds heavier than you. Not everybody's Daniel Cormier, I get that, but technique does matter. That's what Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is all about, and 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 many grappling arts. So I think he could do very well. He's he's I mean the guy to me for a long time has been too big for that weight class. He he I think he's been hurting himself and he he should have did this two or three years ago. So I'm curious to see him healthier, maybe putting on a little bit more muscle because he was always a strong mother effort at, at middleweight. So to go against some tool fibers, healthier, stronger, not sap, you know, using his wrestling, using his grinding, I think he can that, that could be very good for him. And I'd like to see him do it a lot at 205. So I, I think he he could have been a contender two or three years ago. I think he could have worked his way to a tile shot then. Now, I think he'll maybe he can he can maybe break into the the top five just because the division is so thin. But I don't know if he'll ever be a legitimate contender at this point. I, I just don't see it. 
Yeah, it just seems to be a matter of what he has left in the tank. Yeah, uh, because he's he's uh, he's had some rough fights over his career, yeah. and, he's and his health. I mean, injuries. yeah, the thumb thing that kept him out for like what was it like almost a year and a half. Yeah, man, he's had some crazy injuries and yeah. multiple surgeries and whatnot. In addition to wars that he's been in, like the the uh, the excuse me, the Rockhold fight, mm -hmm. the Machida fight was a tough yeah, one. Like, yeah. he's, he's had some serious back and forth wars going on. Um, also, too. Um, I remember him taking taking some some serious stingers in the gasoline fight as well. Um, yeah, he got knocked down. Yeah, Vitor yeah. put a little hurt on him too, even though he finished Vitor. Vitor, you know. Yeah, Vitor started with like a serious blitz, and like, yeah. Wyman has taken a, a a lot of punishment over his career and. Jacare. Yeah, Jacare. Jesus, yeah. finish Jacare fight. Yeah, um, and then you think about the injuries he's had on the training room floor, mm -hmm. and that is a body that's probably being held together by duct tape at this point. So. If he has, um, if he has it left in him, if he can be close to 100% Wyman, I don't know if that's if that's mathematically possible at this point. Yeah. But if that's the case, this guy is an instant force at 205, I believe. I mean, the the fact that they're pairing him up against Dominic Reyes says two things to me. It says they think a lot about Dominic Reyes, and it says they think a lot about Chris Wyman. It it says that they think of Wyman enough is at least enough of a name. To develop a guy off of and dominic reyes is enough of a test to show what wyman is capable of but maybe a soft enough touch for him to get uh slotted to a title shot early now i know those things those statements can be contradictory but i think they can they can coexist as well there is a duality in the matchmaking for, for that fight if wyman beats uh he beats your man if he beats dominic reyes we're talking title shot right off the bat could be yeah that's a hell of a that would be a hell of a statement to jump up and do that yeah, that and especially how it's done. If I don't think he there, deserve it, but you might be right with that. So he might yeah, I mean, hey, we were just talking about Rockhold uh yeah. being a being a, a, a title challenger had he beaten Jan Blakovich. I didn't agree with that either, but it yeah. was possible. <laughs> but that was that was a talk around the town. Yeah. And yeah. and all signs pointed to that happening, hence putting them on the same card hmm. in the first place. Having that AKA versus uh Jackson Wink angle to play, having that. In the first place, like that, that was there, it, you know, it was sitting right there. Um, it just Rockhold couldn't capitalize on it. And I think you can set that same thing up with Chris Wyman. And let's not forget, too, that Chris Wyman has somewhat of a history with John Jones. Like they've gone back and forth on Twitter a couple times about fighting one another. Uh, there was um, during the UFC 151 debacle. Chris Wyman was one of the guys who immediately stepped up and said, I will take Dan Henderson's place. Uh, and this was before he fought Anderson Silva. Mm. Uh, he was one of the first voices to raise his hand and say, pick me. Um, so this is not something that, this is not a, a new concept, Chris Weidman versus John Jones. This is, this is um, resurrected territory uh, as far as a talking point. And yeah, Chris Wyman wins against Dominic Reyes. We're we're talking instant title shot. Like I don't with the, the name that he uh, that that he has, you can sell the hell out of that fight versus John Jones. You sell the hell out of that fight. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even if it is just another middleweight who's moving up. Yeah. You sell the hell out of that fight. Mm -hmm. All right. Um. So we're gonna take a a question from from Robbie here. And then we'll just get into some of the uh, UFC 240 talk. And let me scroll up because I know I've got UFC 240 comments that 
I have not addressed because I've been on my rampage all all this show, man. Uh, just me standing on the soapbox this whole show. What about the the poll? Do you want to get to that too? Oh, I forgot. We I forgot we got a poll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah go ahead. Yeah, go ahead with the poll, man. Jay, the, the, he mentioned the, in the poll question for this week was like Manny Pacquiao, which fighter could remain elite after they turn 40? Because Manny Pacquiao, for anyone that missed it, though, I don't, it doesn't seem like many people did miss it at this point, uh, won another championship by defeating Keith Thurman, who was 30 years old, 29 and 0, at 40 years old, which is, I mean, spectacular performance for a guy that's 40 years old. Uh, the answers were Khabib Nurmagomedov, who was 30 years old, John Jones, who was 32 years old. Uh, Kamara Usman, who's 32, Sahudo also 32, and Conor McGregor, who's 31. Or you could have put other. The leading vote-getter was Khabib Nurmagomedov at 37%. The second highest vote-getter was John Jones with 31%. Number three, not showing a lot of respect to Usman, uh, to Usman Sahudo and McGregor, was other at 12%. And then a three-way tie for Usman, Sahudo, and McGregor at 6% each, respectively. Hmm. Um... I, I mean Khabib number one. I mean I, I mean he's he's a dominant force, of course. But I guess I, maybe when you look at a guy like Amaya, who's still pretty relevant now with just grappling, I guess Khabib he, he Khabib would definitely be a guy who has old man strength, even when he's like fifty years old. Yeah, that's true. So maybe with that grappling, he could still probably maybe be. I mean, look what John Fitch did against Rory McDonald. You know, if you have that kind of level of grappling, you got a shot. That that is a very good point. I didn't even think about it that way. I'm also I was just mainly thinking about Khabib being kind of open about flirting with retirement. Yeah, and he's in a hell of a division. That's a tough division to get old in. Yeah, like him at him at 40 years old competing with the best of the best at 155. Mm -hmm. uh, I I that's not that's not something I have a lot of confidence in because I don't think any uh 40 year old, even if you are uh Khabib Nurmagomedov, survives at 155. At 40, he may be able to compete in that 165 division. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's uh, the weight cut's also a big factor for him. But yeah. if the 165-pound division actually starts up, yes, that makes some sense. But still, you're 40 years old. Exactly. You, you know, if you go to go up to 170, hey, now you're older and smaller. Yeah. So, you know, that doesn't sound too good either. That's not the, the best of combinations. Uh, if off the top of my head with that list, I'm probably going to go with John Jones. Yeah, especially goes to heavyweight. Yeah, exactly. So it breathes new life in him going at, going up to heavyweight. Then on top of that, he's so head and shoulders above just about everybody else yeah. that as the skill gap closes, he's still ahead of everybody else. Yeah, and that's what made Manny Pacquiao special. Same kind of situation. Yeah, like Pacquiao is still faster than just about yes. everybody. Yep. He still has a lot of pop in his hands. Like uh, So where he was blowing everyone away uh, – what 10 years ago or 12 years ago, whatever the case was. Uh, now he just beat you in a decision, mm -hmm. but he still beats you. Yep. Uh, so I, I see John Jones being able to do that. And then also too, you think about granted, he hasn't necessarily treated his body with the most respect over the years, uh, judging by his recreational activities, but he's also had a lot of time off mm. a lot of time yeah. to not be in the cage taking damage. And apparently earlier in his career, he didn't really train either. So it wasn't like he was in the training room taking damage. So you're talking about him at, was he 31 years old, I think? 32. Or, or 32. Um, Doesn't it feel like he's 35 at this point? Doesn't it feel like he's been around for forever? <laughs> I can't believe he's 32 he's only. Had, uh, he's had enough events in his life to be 45. Yeah, yeah, you know, seriously. 
you know, and John Jones for real has had a lot of a lot of life thrown in his in his face in the past yes. years. So yes. let's not forget, man. Um, beyond the the suspensions and the court cases and the the, the criminal record that he's developed and all sorts of stuff going on, mm-hmm. his mom passed. Yeah, you know, his, his his mom had been uh suffering with diabetes for for years and years, and 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 it finally she finally succumbed to that. So like, this guy's lived a life. He's lived a hell of a life in the past several years, um, but a lot of that life hasn't been spent in the cage taking damage. So his body might be uh, 32 years old or whatever the case may be. And even uh, when he's in the cage, he doesn't take like in the fight itself, like much damage. Right. <laughs> so, the only like, time we've seen him really take damage in a fight is when he was one fighting Daniel Cormier. Uh, two, when he didn't take Alexander Gustafson seriously the first time they fought, and uh, three, when he was and it wasn't even real. I mean, he banged up his banged up his legs, but um, this last fight against Tiago Santos, where he just decided he was only going to kick him the entire time, and he played whatever little game he was playing to entertain himself, in my opinion. Uh, so, yeah, I, I I think John Jones is the guy that that lasts just because he is done all the wrong things to preserve his body. Uh, I guess we'll put it that way. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and, and jump into a little bit of UFC 240 talk. Um, I'm going to address this this question that Cole uh, Sheldon asked us earlier uh, in the chat. He asked, have there been fight nights better than UFC 240? Uh, for example, last year's Calgary card with uh, Dustin Poirier, Eddie Alvarez, uh, Jose Aldo, Jeremy Stevens. Uh, Joanna Jacek and T- and Tisha Torres, and he says, "I know there has been more." So he's asking if if there's fight nights that are better than pay per views, uh, better than this particular pay per view. What is it? What is it? Could you? Could you let me? I'm gonna go because I know some of the fights, but I don't know like the full card. I want to just That's see the, this before. Fully there's a reason answer. why you don't know the full card, um, because it isn't that good. It's. <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember who said this. This was. It might have been Jay actually on on off the chain where he oh, said yeah. he he said that um this was essentially like a Canadian card with a title fight at the top of it. Yeah, you feel like you take that title fight off, Cyborg versus Felicia Spencer. Spencer okay, yeah. boom, ESPN plus fight night. Yeah, like Nico you know, Price I, versus Jeff Neal. It, it's a cool fight, but it's yeah. not necessarily pulling your hair back. And Olivia Orban Mercier versus Armin Sarukian. I well, yeah, that's that doesn't even feel like a main card kind of fight. Yeah, and in fact, Cole did ask a, a question about uh, about him. So let's let's go ahead and and ask that question because actually he's not part of our Who You Got segment. So we'll go ahead and throw that one out out, out of there. Cole also asked, with no real Canadian MMA stars, are you surprised the UFC is given OAM this tough of a fight on a two fight losing streak? I mean, we talked about it a little bit in the 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 early the preview videos last week about him and you know if he is is he as legit as we you know is is his his the hype over and he's going backwards and i do feel that like maybe they've even maybe they've kind of are over him in terms of developing him into a star they really do need to find that next canadian tech talent because it is such a strong market but it may really be like they've kind of moved on to trying to mold him into a star and they're looking at his opponent and saying maybe this could be the guy and we're gonna build him off of oam's name you know it may, it may have gotten to that point now and i i feel like it is i i don't think anybody's really you know big on oam as like a, a future you know, superstar. He, he seems like he's never really taken that next step forward in terms of excitability, contendership. You know, so um, 
I think it's just they, they're looking at the other guy now. They, they, they're not seeing OIM as like a, a building block of the Canadian market really anymore. Uh, allow me to uh, chime in with um, just a direct quote from the, the exalted designated member on the chat uh, who says, let's be honest, the UFC probably doesn't think all that much about these matchups, bodies versus bodies at this level of the division. I don't think I could have said that any better. That's exactly what I think this is. Now, OAM is obviously a guy that will get a little love in Canada because, excuse me, he is Canadian. He's from TriStar uh, uh, Academy, and that's, you know, the, the mecca of MMA in, in Canada. So, yeah, we get that. But on a two-fight losing streak with a very inconsistent career in the UFC, I, I think we're beyond the point where we're trying to make this guy a star. I, I think at this point, you're just kind of throwing him in there. Okay, he's Canadian, throw him on the card. Yeah. Um, yep. And if he loses, okay, he loses, but whatever. Exactly. Throw him on the yeah. card. Yep. I, I don't I don't think they give a rat's ass um about this matchup in particular, just like he said. So yeah. Um all right. Um probably should uh because we we are we probably are pushing toward overtime at this point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh so let's go ahead and move to the who you got segment. This is for UFC two forty. Of course, that is Saturday night. And Jeff Neal versus Nico Price. I do like this fight. And I want to know, Jason, who you got? I mean, I feel like we've, we've kind of previewed the preview a little bit last week. And then I think the question was who has more upside between the two. We had something like something like that in terms of, of Price and Neal and stuff like that. But um, I mean, I, I'm going Jeff Neal. I just, I, I, you know, I brought up the story last week what Frank Camacho told me about like the 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 rush hour reference and his hand speed, and he's and he just has he seems to have more of the upside. Like Nico Price, you know, he's a good fighter, but I I, I feel like maybe he's kind of at his ceiling. He could grow, he could get better, but I feel like we've seen the best version of him yet. I feel like Jeff Neal is still a fighter that's growing, is already talented and good now. He's a, a pretty fair. Big favorite with the minus three forty, so a lot of people are maybe seeing the same thing. So yeah, I definitely got to go with Jeff Neal in this one. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Jeff Neal is is my pick for this fight. Um, and we got into this in the preview uh, section. You can find that on uh, Bennett with the uh, the preview article written by Tom Feely that uh, went live on Shirtdog.com today. But I guess I'll reiterate a couple of points. Um, Nico Price does have a very impressive record. However, you look at uh, the the way some of those fights went. And very, very difficult to replicate some of those results. Uh, the Danny Brown knockout was an anomaly, to say the least, as spectacular as it was. The Tim Means knockout, he got his head caved in, you know, many, many times <laughs> before that, that one shot landed that, that put yeah. Tim Means' lights out. I don't think you're going to have those chances uh, against Jeff Neal. I think he's just too sound in what he does. I think yep. his... I think his game is just so dialed in at this point. Uh, and yes, he's still a developing fighter, but I think um, I think Nico Price will be part of his development. I, I Jeff Neal wins, and I think he wins big. Yeah, um, one more element too uh, to add on to you, like he, you know, in terms of Neo fighter, and another Frank Camacho funny story that he was talking about to me that his can't his he felt not only did Jeff Neal beat him, but his team beat him because Jeff Neal he could hear his corner, Jeff Neal's corner yelling out. Like, oh, do this, do like we trained to the point where they kind of knew Frank Camacho's game plan. They had scouted him so well, he didn't have any answers. That's another reason why he got mad. He didn't know what to do. He wasn't faster. He was, he couldn't, his game plan, what they were already prepared for. So not only is he a good fighter, he seemed to have a really strong camp behind him that's really helping to develop him into the, the talent he is now. 
Yeah, and and just on a personal note too, Jeff Neal, if I'm not mistaken, is a waiter in Dallas. Really? I think he's a I think he's a waiter at a steakhouse, I believe, in Dallas. Uh, um, and that's what he does when he's not fighting. And and as far as I know, he's still doing this job uh, even after uh, winning that knockout of the night bonus or performance of the night bonus after uh the head kick on uh Camacho. Um, and as a guy who was a food service worker, I was a server and a bartender for many, many years. It is Man, it, I got to give a little root for, for Jeff Hill, man. <laughs> I got to go ahead, you know, put journalistic integrity aside and win one for the bartenders. All right, so uh, let's move on from that. Chris Cyborg, former featherweight champion. Still, it still feels crazy to say former featherweight champion. Chris uh, but she is going to fight Invicta's last featherweight champion, Felicia Spencer. Jason, please tell me who you got. This line is fascinating to me because I can't, I won't I will, I'll, I'll plead ignorance in terms of Felicia Spencer that I don't have a huge wealth of knowledge of her. It's tough to watch everything in Victor. I don't get to enough, but I, I have read enough that I believe the hype, and I'm surprised by that Cyborg being a, a minus six hundred favorite. I I just feel something funny could happen here. I still think Cyborg will win, but I think it'll be a very competitive fight. I think it'll be closer, and I'm very curious how Cyborg comes back mentally from her fight with Amanda Nunes. Not only did she lose, she got fucking trounced, and that's shocking for someone like her who's had utter dominance, utter success for, what, a decade now? I mean, going back to Elite XC and stuff like that, like just a top fighter who hasn't even really been touched barely to go in there and just get just mauled by someone who was probably smaller i'm curious what it does for her confidence does she come back confident what is her hunger level she's not a champion anymore she doesn't have those responsibilities is she as hungry as she needs to be you know all those kind of things so i i feel like it's interesting elements to make the at a closer fight that people may think i'm still going to pick cyborg but i'm really actually looking forward to this fight as much as any way to see if maybe felicia spencer really surprises some people you know what? As as exciting as that would be, I don't think we see that. I think we see Chris Cyborg do what she normally does, and that's destroy people that are put in front of her. Um, I believe that she's going to come out so extra motivated because this is the last fight on her deal with the UFC. Very true. Final fight in her contract. We've talked about this a lot about the possibility of her leaving to go to Bellator. She's uh, teased, you know, going into boxing and, and doing so many things. And she's always kind of had this contentious relationship with the UFC. And her only real leverage is to win this fight. Yeah, that's her only real leverage. Um, I, I just I just don't think Felicia Spencer has what it takes to to uh, defeat Cyborg, because in order to defeat Cyborg, you've got to be very sharp on your striking one way or, or another. You have to be an Amanda Nunes on your striking. You've got to be a Holly Holm to survive. Excuse me, to survive <laughs> against Chris Cyborg. <laughs> You've got to be a world champion caliber boxer to survive against Chris Cyborg. And you've got to have uh, some of the most devastating power this side of yourself <laughs> in Amanda Nunes if you're Chris Cyborg. Um, I don't think Felicia Spencer has that. Her best bet is to get this fight on the ground, but... Do you want to risk that takedown attempt, Jason? You want to shoot in on, on Cyborg and see what happens to you? Do you think you'll, you'll remain conscious enough to chain into another takedown? You know, I don't see that happening. I don't think, like, uh, Megan Anderson, you know, as highly touted as she, as, as she was coming into the UFC and as much promise as she still has, I believe, and as athletically gifted as she is, you know, that was almost a gift for Spencer, style-wise. 
but you're not going to get Chris Cyborg down that easily. Uh, it's just it just doesn't happen that way. Matt Wells of the Slip and Dip podcast. Hey. Uh, he he uh, jumped into the chat. The homie Matt Wells. Always a, a, a pleasure to uh, interact with that man. But he says getting uh, over his UFC San Antonio hangover. He's still getting over the UFC San, San Antonio hangover, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, he says uh, Spencer is going to get demolished. Just watched her open workouts. And yeah, if she doesn't get it to the ground quickly, it's going to be ugly. Uh, Matt Wells said it. So, you know, it's right. Oh, oh. And that's because Matt Wells agreed with me. So uh, yeah, I mean, you already know it's deeply flawed, deeply flawed already. You I know mean, what? Let's 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 not even start your shit. Matt Officer credential. If Matt Hunter could come in the chat, you a Matt off. You know, me and Matt have a bond by as having big brains. You know, I, I think Matt would get me. Would we oh, you big brains. Oh, you yeah okay. <laughs> oh. We're big brain brothers. We're triple Bs instead of triple yeah. Cs. Like you know, total. With big brains like that and, and high IQs, you should run for president. That's mm. another story. Hey, All we right. got a prime minister with a big brain in, in, in England, too. Oh, wow. Well, brain. what's going on with this? Mm. <laughs> wow, what are we doing here? What are we doing? All right. All right, back to the fights. Back to the fights there before this turns into some political show. All right. <laughs> so, Jason, UFC 240's main event, weight championship between Max Holloway and Frankie Edgar. Please, petty officer credential, tell me who you got. It's, it's captain for all you watching it's captain all day it's petty officer credential you have been demoted just because i felt like it what if i just go awol i don't want to be a part of this this military anymore anyway oh you're you're trash so it's like the military's <laughs> probably better without you i don't mean that actually I, I i like you please stick around i will hope so thank you all right i like you too um <laughs> i'm excited about this fight. it's so weird to see Plus 30, 325 next to Frankie Edgar's name. I, and it's not like it's not warranted. Max Holloway is just that good. And you know, Frankie Edgar is, get, is getting long in a tooth, which I always love to throw the term around. But just plus 325 for Frankie Edgar, that's just that's that's time for you. Very fascinated by this fight. We talked a good bit about it last week. Um, really interested to see how Max Holloway comes back from a, just an uh, no disrespect to Max Holloway, an ass whooping by Dustin Poirier. I mean, he really got it taken to him in that fight. How do you recover from that? You know, the, the psyche and the confidence is a very, it, once it gets shaken, it, it's it's not always easy to come back from. This seems like a fight to rebuild that confidence real quick. Style matchup-wise, I think it's a good matchup for Max Holloway. You know, he can, he uses his range well. He can, Frankie Edgar's not a power puncher, so he can stand there and fight like Max Holloway. It's just a question of Max Holloway, uh, you know, deal with takedowns which i feel like i, I would have loved to have seen this fight four years ago like frankie when he first for jose aldo when he first came down from 155 like that frankie who was a little faster a little more durable you know a, a little younger this that fight would oh man oh that would have been a bit of a pick him to me that said I'm going to go to Max Holloway. I would love to see it be a competitive fun fight. Maybe Frankie Edgar go full on. Uh, Pacquiao really surprise us at a later stage of his career, but I got to go with Max Holloway. I love Max Holloway, and that's a, yeah, that dude's a hell of a fighter. Man, I I think we all love a good Cinderella story. Yes. We all love an underdog. We spent, what, like the first some, – some time in the early segments talking at length about Rocky. Mm -hmm. We love an underdog. We love the underdog story. It ain't going to happen here. And that's and that's pretty sad. That's pretty sad. Like uh, Frankie Edgar is one of the all time greats. Make no mistake about it. He is one of the best fighters to ever grace the octagon. And his contribution to mixed martial arts should not be uh, overshadowed in any way, shape or form. However, 
he is fighting a buzzsaw and Max Holloway. Um, like you said, the Frankie Anchor of old, I would love to see. Ah, so, so good. I would love to see that. The Frankie Edgar that should have fought Conor McGregor. Yes. Fighting this Max Holloway. I would yes. love to see it. The one and only thing that gives me pause about this is the damage that Max Holloway took very recently against Dustin Poirier. That's it. What that fight was what in April? Yeah, that wasn't that long ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was actually um I was upstate for my mom's birthday. Her birthday's in April. It was in April, yep. That yeah. wasn't that long ago. So I mean, we're not talking about a lot of time after yep. such a beating. And like you brought up last week, the up and down weight class changes. Yeah. What yeah. is that gonna do to him? Um, I don't think that's gonna be as much of a factor because I do think I do think his body was ill prepared for 155 uh for mm -hmm. the Poirier fight. That's another story. Um, yeah, man, I think Frankie Edgar is, is going to lose here and it's probably going to be ugly to watch and I hate to say it. And I'd love for him to take in some of that Manny Pacquiao mojo and, and, and do something miraculous. Oof, that'd be I, a I, hell of a story. Oh, it would be, man. it would be, but my intelligent, uh, functioning tells me otherwise. You have a big brain too. I do. I do have a big. That's why you have that big hat to put on the big brain? I actually have the big hat on because my hair is out of. <laughs> yeah, the hair is just all over the place, man. So I was like, man, let me put this hat on. And I got my my Black Panther Party hat on. I'm feeling revolutionary today. I'm feeling real revolutionary. Is today. that you why you won on one championship? It's the hat, right? It's the hat. I don't know. I just felt it. I just felt it today. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't. I do have a one championship T-shirt, actually. Really? Yeah, I do. I do. Oh my God! Please well, they gave it. it to me. They gave it to me. So wear it next week, please. I I, I should have wore it this week. Um, oh, missed opportunity. It was. Oh, it was. Oh, Can we like start the show over and I just change shirts? That would have been full heel turn. Cause like, oh wow, one rent. You know, Anthony's really getting on the one bit. Oh no, he's not. Like, he's nope. not. Full heel turn. It would have been so nope. good. And it's trash. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, man. I I say that yeah. Um. Max Holloway retains his title, and we're probably going to not like ourselves very much for watching. Yeah. All right, Jason. So it looks like it's over with. No preview questions. Oh, no, there are preview questions. Yes, there oh, are. Sir. Oh, wow. Because, see, I got to scroll the page down. I'm just looking at this <laughs> one page. You don't know how to use a mouse? Come on. I, I actually don't have a mouse for this computer. It's a touch screen. So I just. Yeah. Oh, it's a touch screen. I got a touch screen too. I know how to mouse. Yeah, okay, I got a middle finger too. Um, <laughs> Matt Wells that damn hat. in the chat, he says, uh, one loves giving out shirts. They gave me a polo. It's actually super nice, and I wear it all the time. Very nice. See how nice they are. Matt writes here. Nice they are. Yeah, I, I have a I have a, a, a coffee mug from them as well. Damn. Yeah. You need to come to New York. I want some free shit. They gave me free shit, so yeah, yeah they'll probably give you a car. <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh let's let's get some of these, these preview questions for ufc new work out the way uh you can find these segments chopped up and edited all lovely and shit <laughs> on sherdock.com for the upcoming preview article so uh we got a question from mb23100 who asked why are we getting covington versus lawler again Lawler is coming off of two losses, and Colby won the interim belt and is on a six-fight win streak. Is there an underlying story here? Um, 
I mean, they're trying to make a story, and Colby's really trying to make a story with that whole oh, Robbie left because they put a picture of Tyron Woodley beating him thing and all that stuff. Um, though I, I remember hearing um, years a few years ago from someone that's familiar with ATT that Robbie Lowell was very upset with that fight. You know, he, he but um, um, it's just they, they want to get Colby back in action. You got the ATT connection. You can throw out maybe they train together. Robbie Lowell is still super popular. You know, ho hopefully I will be credentialed for that event. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Robbie Lowell in person. You know, he's not the guy he was a couple to, to you know, three, four years ago, but I'm still, he's exciting. You know, Robbie Lowell is one of those guys that you want to see him compete. Um, it, it, it isn't a, a relevancy fight. I mean, it's to me, it's a lose, lose fight for Colby. That, that's why I'm, he must really feel confidence in, in the matchup. And he took it anyway. And you, and you want to stay active. He wants to make some money, but it's a lose, lose. If he lose him, if he beats him, who's really going to be praising him? Oh my God. What a superstar. He's really, he's really the champion. He really has the real belly. He beat a guy like, like, like MB two, three, 100 match. He's on a two fight losing streak. And if he loses, holy shit, <laughs> he, he lost to a guy's on two fight losing streak who a lot of people were wondering if maybe he's past his prime. So, um, yeah, I think it's just, you mentioned it a few questions ago. Bodies making a matchup. They had to make a main event. Lawler's popular. Covington needs to fight. He's a champion. Champion in the main event, sort of. It just whatever works. Yeah. Um, I spoke with Matt, uh, excuse me, uh, Mike Brown at mm -hmm. uh, UFC 235, th 239. That's the last one I went to. Uh, you, uh, UFC 239 Fight Week. And he said very clearly, like, this was not about. Um, you know, the interim title or who was going to fight Usman next. It's like this was simply the UFC needed a main event and they called Colby and he said yes. You know, and, and that's it. So this is a pairing of two names that people care about. Uh, whether you love or, or hate Colby Covington, you care about him. Uh, and of course, everybody likes Robbie Lawler. So you put these two names together, something crazy might happen and it's a suitable main event. So I think that's really all there is. That's the only story to this. It's just, it just sucks for Colby Covington that while this man should be fighting for the undisputed title, and he should have fought for the undisputed title quite some time ago, that now he has such a rough stylistic matchup in front of him that very, very well could just derail his hopes for getting that title shot. So if you want to put your, your uh, tinfoil hat on right now, <laughs> go right ahead and do so uh because i mean kobe did run up on dana white in the casino uh <laughs> when recording it and you know and it got taken down and whatnot and also once again shout out to matt wells for being the one who captured that uh that that instagram stream <laughs> and, and, and went on and preserved it for for the rest of the good humanity of MMA Twitter. <laughs> so um, if you want to ride the conspiracy wave, you can say that, hey, this is this is the UFC saying, hey, we don't like the way you've been operating and you got to do this before you get something that you should have gotten already. Hmm. I just think it's simply because they needed bodies uh, to fill up the schedule. And this is how it boiled down to. OK, Jason, uh, icons collide. Jim Miller and Clay Guida are set to face off at UFC on ESPN five are either still main card worthy. Um, I feel like the winner of this should be <laughs> get the title of main card worthy still, because I mean, I, I think that, you know, the fight will, will decide that they, they've come kind of gone the way of prelim names that bring, uh, 
gravitas to like an ESPN plus or ESPN prelims portion of an event. Um, they're still very good fighters. You know, they're, they're you know, Clay, Clay Guida's beloved. Jim Miller has been a long fighter, stalwart of the UFC and a very good durable fighter, but are they main card fighters? If we want to be that tough of a, a question, main card fighters, I guess it matters on the main card. If you have seen that Newark, they're the co-main event. Their main card as it fucking gets. <laughs> if it's like on uh, UFC, uh, what was the the the, the card with uh, Adesanya Gasolom and and what was, what number was that? Two thirty six. Two, uh, yeah, two thirty six. I think yeah. Yeah, two thirty six. No, they're prelims. They may be early prelims. <laughs> you know, matters on the card. It matters on the bodies needed. On this one, their main main card of mother efforts at co-main event. Good for you guys. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm not sure whether they're main card worthy necessarily, but their names are. Diego Sanchez was on the main card uh, the last pay-per-view. He's not, you know, by any stretch of the imagination, still at, at the, the, the top of the heap in, in the welterweight division. So um, I think they're there because their names attract some attention. And once again, we got a very busy schedule. Uh, got a couple pay-per-views surrounding this, and all these big names are not always available. But keep in mind, this also is in New Jersey. Jim Miller is from New Jersey. Um, th he's a guy who's fought in his home state many times and attracted a, a big crowd there. So I think this is more about Jim Miller getting a hometown fight. Yeah, and yeah. Clay Guida seems like an appropriate level of competition. Um, and and also, I'm curious as to what uh, hairstyle Jim Miller's going to have. Jim Miller with a full head of hair looked sensational <laughs> in his last outing uh, against uh, Jason Gonzalez. I want to see if Jim Miller with hair is like Samson. Let's see if he does it, man. I I'm looking forward to that one. But, yeah, I can understand if anyone is not exactly thrilled with this being the co-main event, but... There are other factors to consider here. Main one being that Jim Miller is from New Jersey and the fights in New Jersey. So I guess the UFC just said, why not on that? All right. Um, Neto BJJ is 30. And, and Nasrat Hatparast. Oh, I know I messed that up. Say that three times fast. <laughs> not even going to try that. Um, so he's went the distance in all of his UFC bouts, and he's only 23. Who has the higher ceiling? I was looking. I was researching a little bit just to get more background. Like, I don't know them offhand. I had to, to look at stuff. But um, I mean, I'm always going to err on the side of when it comes to ceilings. Um, youth in this one, when it's not clearly defined as either guys are you know superstars and they've already shown a ton so far. Because so, with you, at least he has more. He has more room to make up more ground. At 30, it's going to be tougher. You're already setting your ways. It's tougher to to kind of evolve as a fighter that, that far into a life, into a career. So yeah, I'm going to lean more toward Hakparas just because of the youth angle. But I mean, I think it's a real coin toss. I think either one of them could go either way. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you on this one. I'm not really feeling one way or the other on this one. Yeah. But when in doubt, I'll go with the side of youth. I'll also go with the guy who has um, the the more um, the more noteworthy camp as well. Uh, so um, he's fighting um, Nasrat. I'll just just stick with the first name there. He's uh, he's out of TriStar, and that says a lot to have him on like Faraz Sahabi in your corner uh, as you're a developing fighter. Very big deal. Very big deal. So for that and him being the younger guy, I'll, I'll side with him, but. Who, who knows, man? 
Uh, this is I think both of these guys are, are such fresh products as far as how much we've seen of them in, you know, in high level mixed martial arts. I don't think we really know enough just yet. Uh, this fight probably will determine a lot about both of their futures. OK, so uh, does Gerald Merchart have the best beard in the UFC? No, I mean, I, I did a little looking on that one, too. Um, I'm, have you been current active roster? Still no, but you, how can you not like a Tank Abbott beard, a, a Roy Nelson beard, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, a Travis Brown beard? But I'm also – I'm a big fan as a bearded man and a trimmed beard. I'm a, I'm a big fan of like a good trimmed beard like, like Conor McGregor's. Andre Lofsky, those are sexy beards. I prefer a nice, trim, sexy beard. No disrespect to you and Anthony. You have a lovely beard. It's quite well quaffed, but it's not my style. But no, he does not have the best beard. Well, if you're looking for a guy to all things sexy, <laughs> I, I think we're talking to the right guy, okay? <laughs> so typically, when you're talking about sexy uh, beards, you're talking about Anthony Walker. But since... Uh, I am uh, not on the UFC roster because <laughs> I choose not to be. Oh, you turned down the offers. A media member instead. You've ghosted them when they've called. I ghosted Dana White when he called me. <laughs> all right. Okay. And Sean Shelby won't even won't even answer his calls at all. Wow. Full on like Spider-Man Nick Fury just won't even. It's just full on, full on. Wow. Later, you know, I'll answer the phone sometimes. We'll talk. Okay. He's nice. yeah. It's the accent, right? Yeah. You know, uh, we get along. But still. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually I think the best beard in MMA, and I know he 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 alters it from time to time. I gotta go with Tyron Woodley for the best beard in MMA. That's a good, nice, well trimmed. It's, nice. it's it's very well groomed, yes. but it's also full. Yeah, and, and it's got like if when I go to the barbershop and I get it like trimmed up and lined up right, yeah, that's the level we're talking about. Like, oh, that's that's kind of fly. Yeah, 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 but uh. Yeah, I, I, I would be if I were on the roster the way they want me to be. <laughs> okay. Uh, prudent or unwise move by Dong Hyung May to change his stage name. That's crazy. I really had to. I was like, wait, because I saw the Dong Hyung. I was like, no, that's not Cam, right? And then I looked up. He's got like a, the picture I found, like a new hairdo. It really matches his name of the maestro. I mean, um, I, I don't know how much he cares about personal branding, but when you've branded yourself and had a pretty fairly good and successful career at the highest level, to change your name, man, that, damn, it really does set you back. I don't know. Maybe he's got something going on back home. He's Korean. He's Korean, right? You know, yeah. maybe he's got something going on in Korea, you know, that's bigger and better, and a new name is just going to work more. But branding, branding is big in this world. Branding. And when you fuck up the branding – on something that's a, a product that is respectable and successful, not a good idea. I, you know what? I, I don't think there's anything as bad as when uh, Hector Lombard changed his name to was it Show Eater or Show? <laughs> I, I never knew which one was what it was, but it just sucked. Yeah, it just really sucked. And then um, Roy McDonald with his weird name changes. It went from like the Water Boy to Aries to the Red King. Mm -hmm. I, I was never a fan of uh, Brendan Schaub going from the hybrid to Big Brown. It's like, it's like, dude, you're 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 not even like brown skin. Like, know, yeah. like you have black hair. Like, there's nothing brown about. I think it. Big Brown has weird connotations. Yeah, it like sounds like big shit. That's yeah. what it sounds like. Like, 
It's, it's like on like Mr. Brown on uh, Reservoir Dogs. Like it's like, oh, I'm Mr. Shit. <laughs> that, that's what that sounds like. Um, so I, I wasn't a fan of that. Um, but shout out to Brendan Shaw, though. He's a nice dude. He's, he's a nice guy. <laughs> I do. I personally like him. He's a nice dude. Um, but yeah, I, I wasn't a fan of that name change. So it like really Hector Lombard is the all time worst. You got to go really low for me to dislike your name change after show eater or show weather or whatever it was. Um, so yeah, maestro ain't too bad. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. And the hair kind of matches that. Um, okay. Last one. Uh, will Kennedy Neswiku plant the Nigerian flag firmly in 205 pound contendership? Why is the region producing so much talent? See this, this, and I've talked about this already. This is getting a little ridiculous to me. This, this guy, did he was he even born in Nigeria? Did he even live in Nigeria? Like this is getting weird. This is like you know, is Stepe Miocic putting Poland on the map? No. When people talk about Stepe, they're thinking about Cleveland. You know, it, you know, is is uh, is it's like I don't get that. Like for for someone like um, Francis Ngannou. Who grew up there? Adesanya, who was born there, then migrated away. Fine. Well, I can't. Kennedy, he he was born in Nigeria. How long did he live there? Because it's weird. I, I mean, I love, I'm not sure how long he lived there. Yeah, like it's just a weird, like, like, like say Martin Martin Newen that I just interviewed. He's grew. Up, he lived most of his life in Australia. Yeah, he's from Vietnamese background. He uses Vietnam and his his his, his like you know. His marketing and stuff like that, one uses it. But I, when I look at him, when I hear him, I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Australian, an Asian Australian. Uh, so it's it just, it's a weird thing. I, I don't know if that's really putting Nigeria on the map. I know you have roots there, but could he, he's probably, yeah, he could probably plant his flag, flag at 205. Is he playing the Nigerian flag at 205? I'm not sure. But that said, in a lot of poor countries in the world where people have to strive to get a meal, there's talent there. <laughs> Manny Pocket, we're talking about that. He, a lot of talent. There's talent there if it can be mined and nurtured, and we're seeing it. Uh, that's what's cool about one. We're seeing some of those poor countries and like Singapore, Malaysia. Um, you know, uh, uh, um, oh, where where Ong on songs from? Uh damn, I forgot the name. But these poor countries coming up with ta- you know talent that are legit and good if they could get nurtured. They have the background, the training. And I remember watching an episode of Vice News, and they had a. Uh, a story where I don't know if it was Nigeria, but it was a well-known African country. It might have been uh, Democratic Republic of the Congo, something like that. That they had like a, their own kind of wrestling art, like a grappling art. Yeah, I know what you, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and, you know, those things. This martial arts up where if it just and I'm sure you know those guys were good at what they did, and they're very good athletes if they've been training any kind of like martial arts seriously. So, yeah, it's it's cool just to see somewhere in Africa in general this way. I don't. It's a little weird way to do it, but to have Africa talked about as an MMA spot. I think it's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, I think it's dope, man. I think it's more so um, why the region is, seems to be producing uh, so much talent is because it's being paid attention to. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Somebody's just looking now. Yeah. They're looking for uh, for the for these guys uh, to to show what they can do in a cage. That's mm-hmm. it. You know, the talent has been there. The talent has always been there. We've seen other sports go to Africa to find talent. Mm-hmm. I uh, growing up in the D.C. area. Remember very clearly when Manute Bowl yep. was seven seven. Yep. Uh, and I forget what what exact country he came from and what the name of his tribe and stuff was, but it was like this uh, a whole tribe of guys that were like over seven feet tall, and they found mm-hmm. the tallest one there, and they said, "Hey, uh, we're going to teach you how to play basketball, and we're going to pay you a lot of money." 
And this man knew a lick about basketball. They taught him just enough to where he could stand under the under the paint and and, and get rebounds and lay up. And then you have like an Akeem Olajuwon that straight up from Africa, legit. Exactly. So um, other sports have turned to Africa for talent forever, and it's about time that MMA caught on uh, with that as well. So. I mean, there's athletes everywhere. It's just about finding, you know, fuck, in the 80s, were we really thinking that Europe would be mined for great basketball talent? No, but some of the best players on the, on the planet are now from Europe and stuff like that. So there's athletes everywhere, as long as you're willing to look. That's why I like Combate, too. They're going to South America to find MMA. Supposedly, Peru is a hot spot for MMA. Hopefully, we'll see soon in Africa, too. Yeah, exactly. So uh, pay attention to the regions, and the talent will develop. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, Jason, that actually will do it for the trenches this week. Can you tell the good folks where they can find you and your work? Um, as always, uh, cheap seats chat on Twitter and on Instagram. I actually had a very busy week, and I may have another uh, interview coming out this week. This week, I already had two stories on this past Tuesday's contender series, which was an interview with, with Jordan Williams, who unfortunately did not get the contract, though Dana White would have given him the contract if he won and felt he won, supposedly, which is unfortunate, but bittersweet for Jordan. Very cool guy. Great story on having type 1 diabetes, how he deals with it, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Great background. Um, uh, also interviewed, and that was one of my last written articles, uh, Billy Quarantello. Uh, he actually, he did get a contract. He won the opening fight, I think, on the card. Uh, good story of him. His background come from, from uh, Lewistown, New York, and then and, and how he got into the sport. He went to, he was on the tough, the ultimate fighter, and then, you know, been away, rebuilding to, to this moment, and it worked out. He got a contract. He's going to be in the UFC now. And then I have three stories right now on PFL 5, which is tomorrow night. One with headliner Chris Wade. Fun story. We got to talk about our suffering as Mets fans and Knicks fans. We talked a little bit of Game of Thrones and Stranger Things. That was fun. Uh, also talked to Alex Gilpin. He was in the main event of PFO one against uh, Lance Palmer. That was a cool conversation. And talked to Steven Siler, who was a finalist last year. Uh, he, he, he lost his opening fight, so he's feeling the pressure of trying to avoid uh, not making the playoffs this year. He even talked about there's maybe some president that PFL, if you don't make the playoffs one year, you're not guaranteed to come back for season three. That's happened to some people. So all three article, interviews are on Sherdog now and have some really good ones. The Martin Nguyen is really fun. Maybe one of my favorite interviews ever coming on next week. I talked to, I was up to 2 a.m. New York time to talk to Edward Foleyang from one championship. He's on the card too for next week. That was a bucket list interview. And uh, I got tonight, LA, uh, 11 o'clock New York time, Zoila Frosto who is on the Combate Americas card also next week, but all those for next week. Until then, look at those stories on SureDuck.com right now. Cheap Seats chat on the Twitter and the Instagram. You are a busy man. Uh, <laughs> if you keep working hard, you might get uh, promoted from petty officer uh, to sergeant credential. So uh, best of luck to you in that endeavor. <laughs> I am Ant Walker. You can find me on Twitter at Ant Walker MMA. Um, so what I have coming up, uh, got good, bad, and the ugly, the post-fight column that will be about UFC 240. I will be doing a live chat on my walkout network on YouTube. So uh, go ahead, follow me on Twitter. Go ahead and get the details on that. I will be putting that out shortly, and we can all talk about the event right after it takes place. Also, Ask Ant, the mailbag column will be dropping uh, within the next couple of days. I'll um, gather up what questions were left over from this and uh, answer a few of them for that. 
Uh, what else? Off the chain, the panel discussion show. We got another one coming to you Tuesday. We record that Monday night. So uh, any topics you want addressed on that, please go ahead, hit the Twitter up. Let me know and we'll throw it in there. And I believe that is it. So, Jason, you know what you got to do. You got to stay beautiful. Get a new co-host. That's what I got to do. I, I got to get a new co-host. Because <laughs> I'm trying to do my sign off and you messing it up. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so uh, make sure. Very militant. I know, man. It's the Panthers hat, man. I'm feeling it. <laughs> so, you know what you got to do, everybody. You got to stay beautiful. You got to stay positive. You got to get yourself a one championship T-shirt. Yeah. And through it all, you must stay sexy. I will see you when I see you. Peace. Matt really upped you. He got the polo. I want the polo.